Hello and welcome to the Bristol and Bath Lifting Club. I almost forgot the name. I should probably put it on a plaque or something so that I, can, I don't forget. <laughs> Just a little post-it note on front of the laptop. Yeah, exactly. So, today's episode is all about motivation. It is. Do you lack motivation? Ooh, kicking, kicking it off with a, with a question. Okay, so I've never been one to lack motivation. Okay. Anything that I've kind of pursued, I've always gone for 100%. Right. Um, when I started lifting at 14 years old, I have this really, yeah, really old memory. And one of my first memories to do with lifting as well, actually. I remember when I first started, uh, my dad, who used to be a lifter, told me that I will never be able to keep it up. And oh. that everyone says that they're going to keep it going into the adult life, but everybody quits. This is what he told me. And I was like, well, dad, you obviously don't know me that well, because even back then, anything I started, I was going to pursue 100%. So when I first started, I was was really motivated to to get going and to keep it going. With some PT clients, I turn around and tell them, I don't think you can do that. You can't do that, even though I know they probably can. And some of them, they really get really funny. So the first thing they want to do is give it a go. Maybe your dad was doing that. Maybe I don't think so because no. he was he was pretty unsupportive in other ways. I'll, I'll get into the knit and grid of it. So my parents were never really um, supportive of me lifting. So I was a really skinny kid when I mm. first started. So I really wanted the bulk up. They told me that I was greedy for eating more food. Oh, and also I was told that if I wanted to buy any special foods, I had to do it myself. Ooh. At this point, I had no job. I just had a paper route that paid me like £8 per week. Oh, <laughs> that's really sweet. So I was incredibly motivated, though, and um, really got into lifting quite early on at 14 years old. And I'm 32 now. And during that whole time of lifting, I've probably taken probably a couple of weeks off here and there, but I've always stayed consistent. Mm. So... Do you think that motivation is just an innate thing that some people have or not? Yeah, I I think you get people who are very highly motivated and very driven towards their goals. And I also think you get people who might actually lack motivation, but are very self-disciplined in Mm. order to get the work done, even when they don't feel like it. Where does the motivation come from? Is it a lack of self-belief? Is it the sort of people that tell themselves over and over again, well, I can't do that, I'm not good enough? Or what? Is there something else that's there? Yeah, I mean, that that could be it. I mean, I, I grew up, like I said in a previous episode, watching anime, and I wanted to be like these main characters. Yeah. So that always inspired me to really pursue greatness, so to speak. So... Is it possible to motivate someone else? Because uh, when I did the PT qualification, right, they made a big section about you've got to be motivational, you have to Mm -hmm. motivate people and stuff like that. And I've often thought, well, I kind of understand that you want to help people get motivated, but I'm not entirely sure whether that is something that, is really like my job you know is trying to find and get people to a goal normally 
But I kind of think, well, if you require someone else to motivate you, that's probably a bad sign. Yeah, I mean, all we can really do as a coach is open the door, right? It's up mm. for people to take that step through it. Yeah. And isn't it isn't it intrinsic motivation where people find that motivation from within? Mm. And that's what really keeps people going long term. Yeah, I think there's two types of motivation. There's positive and then there's negative. And the positive is the things that make you feel good. Makes sense. And the negative is the things that make you feel bad, which also makes sense. Highly fucking logical when you think about <laughs> it, right? This is proper, you know, education bombs we're dropping here. But what is those two different forms of motivation? Because positive motivation is normally, oh, I'm going to the gym. Yay, I get to go today. Mm -hmm. You know, I really enjoy it. That's finding like a workout you like. That's mixing with people at the gym, friends that you're training with and that that you like. Whereas the negative motivation I find really interesting. That's certainly, I think, in the profession. Mm what I see a lot more of, people that like stick and become PTs and stuff like that, it seems to stem a lot more from negative motivation. So negative motivation often comes from feeling bad and like self-hatred and such. Yeah. So if you're talking about the scrawny kid that got bullied, yeah. skinny kid that got bullied, you want to bulk up on that. That is your motivation. You're not doing it because you're currently enjoying it. You're doing it because that is the only way that you can see to stop the pain. Yeah. But does the pain ever stop? <laughs> <laughs> Probably you got some therapy bills coming. Well, I mean, they do say like talking to people is good. I mean, however many tens of thousands of millions of people that might be listening to this, I don't know whether that helps or makes it worse. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I don't know. What I do know is, though, is that once you find that motivation, whether it's positive or negative, you definitely got to hang on to it. Mm. And it can get harder to hang on to it as the years go on. And you get setbacks like injuries or, mm. or something changes in your life that makes you more busy or maybe you're tired. And that's where self-discipline really kicks in. Doing things that you don't want to do, but you know you've got to get them done. Mm. I think that's, that's kind of where I'm at <laughs> at the moment, having just had a newborn. There are days where I'm so tired and I yeah. do not want to go to the gym. I just want to drink a cup of tea and watch some trash TV. Okay, so if you just talk about your own experiences and then we'll maybe talk about what we see from a kind of a third party in other people. Yeah. And then at some point I'll get you to name the least motivated people that you see in our gym. Because, <laughs> I mean, come on, calling them out and that. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so in terms of what actually gets you up to do that, so you don't feel like doing it, but what actually does force you to get up? I'm incredibly goal-driven. So I am not like materialistic whatsoever mm. i don't really care about money i don't really care about things but i do care about goals mm. um and that's kind of you can kind of see that through things that i've done throughout my life like with the martial arts and business side of things always very goal driven not really very money driven whatsoever so what gets me going is is just wanting to achieve my goals be the best possible person that i can be and that mm. sounds quite you know quite cheesy but it's the truth um i think my my old martial arts instructor called it the unbreakable mindset right being able to pursue things and pursue greatness and just not let anything stand in your path okay so there's the concept that we've talked about before which is the um oh, what's it called you say it an awful lot it is uh when you just keep spilling spinning your wheels in the gym 
Oh, spinning wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that right. Yeah, I think... Um, purgatory? Novice Purgatory. Novice Purgatory, right. Yeah. So the concept of Novice Purgatory is where you've made a little bit of gains, you've done a little bit, you're a little bit confident in what you're doing and stuff, and yet all of a sudden there's just a plateau mm. and you can't seem to overcome it. And I think that from what I see from training people, that my clients and that obviously they hire me because they think I know what I'm doing. Don't tell them otherwise, right? Don't tell them otherwise. I've got a good thing going on here. Um, And they have a certain amount of faith that whatever you get them to do, or if they put the work in, that they're going to get closer to whatever their goals are. And their goals tend to change because it normally starts off, particularly with my clients with anxiety and stuff like that, which I coach a lot of people that have anxiety issues and stuff. A lot of this about self-confidence, aesthetics, and how they feel you know, personally about themselves and stuff. Um, But after when you get to that kind of plateau, it's that part I think a lot of people end up getting to, which is the, I don't actually know why this isn't working or this doesn't seem to be working anymore. And that kind of feeling of, okay, I've made some progress, but now all of the progress has stopped. I just need to go on YouTube and start, watching the motivational videos and stuff like that Mm. but actually that doesn't work i don't think it might get you to the gym once or twice but it's not sustainable yeah i think when it comes to like plateaus in the gym that can obviously wreck someone's motivation and that's why people quit and it's the same in martial arts as well people kind of hit a wall in their training and then they just kind of drop off when you get stuck in novice purgatory everyone does i did um, it happens to all of us. If you if you don't have a good coach or you don't know much about programming, you can get stuck and hit a pretty hefty plateau for years if you're not careful. Mm. At that point, it comes down to increasing your knowledge, getting getting good at programming, understanding the concepts of periodizing your training, and then getting over that hump. And for me, that took a lot of self-study and also employing a pretty decent powerlifting coach to help get me over that hump. But for years, I mean, we're talking from the ages of 14 to 22, it was before I got my first coach at 22, I was still very much a novice despite busting my ass in the gym. And that's because I just didn't really understand progressive overload. I didn't understand the importance of tracking your digits, tracking your nutrition, and also getting to a point where I actually needed to periodize my training and not just do the same thing over and over. And I got stuck in the biggest plateau ever. So helping people getting over that hump um, through, through knowledge rather than motivation is something that I'm quite passionate about. Yeah. So what was the last client that you've had that gave up? And what was the story? What was the reason behind I, it? I had a client who was making, he was an online client and they were making really rapid progress. I had them on a really good um, linear progression beginners program, and they were making gains week in and week out. Mm. Sadly, they had to stop because of money issues. Oh, so did they stop just hiring you, or was that stopping lifting in that? I think after they stopped hiring me, they, they quit completely. Oh, okay. Yeah, so maybe they didn't have that... Routine. Yeah, or that intrinsic motivation. I don't know. But yeah, so they stopped due to money issues because obviously all the energy bills went up. And then after that, they just kind of dropped off and haven't really seen much of their lifting since. 
Okay. So I'm still friends with them yeah. online, obviously. Um, but yeah, haven't haven't seen much of their training since. So there's two clients, basically, since I started working here, that what I would say sacked me, but they basically gave up because they didn't continue um, lifting in general or anything like that. And we're just looking at the door because there sounds to be like a bunch of children. And I think <laughs> they're going down the staircase next to us. But if you can hear them, <laughs> that's probably what's going on. I think it's swim time. Yeah. Swim time. Um, but what was interesting is that one of them went through a really, really, really messy uh, breakup. Mm, yeah, that And do it. that person ended up getting, you know, basically the paychecks halved. They're having to support themselves. They're having to move. They're having to divide everything up and actually dragging yourself to the gym. I've seen people that have a breakup and then the first thing they want to do is get into shape to yeah. go and pull. They become Hercules, out. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, it can also be the opposite. It can literally be like, well, this is actually part of my life that isn't 100% necessary. Some people, particularly if they have, you know, they're really upset, some people take that from the perspective of, okay, I really feel shit about myself. I am shit. And mm. therefore, they kind of self-sabotage themselves. Other people kind of come from the perspective of, I am shit, but I'm going to crawl out of this and I will get better. Um, so that was one of the people. And then the other person that left was because they didn't like the gym we were in because of that thing called junior gym. All oh, right, yeah. <laughs> the busy junior gym. Yes. Yeah, I can kind of understand that. When they're, when they're in, it's like locus. Honestly, they just chew through everything. You just can't get on any of the kit. It can be quite tough. So I kind of understand that. Going back to your first client, because that's really interesting, where people go through... Um, like a breakup or some mm. financial issues and one of the first things to go is the gym membership yeah and i can kind of understand it like it's it's not a priority for them so they can um you know just axe that membership and save the money but i read this really motivational quote where it's something along the lines of having a gym membership and being fit it isn't a hobby it's a necessity especially as you yeah. get older and you have people rely on you mm. Um, like if you've got young kids, you owe it to them to be your fittest, healthiest self so you can be around for longer. Mm. Um, and it was a really interesting quote. Um, it was by uh, a coach called Jonathan Good Goodman, I believe. He's quite big on Instagram with like business side of things. But he used to PT from from a gym like, like we all do. And um, yeah, he was saying how it is a necessity. You need to be fit. You need to be your strongest best self so if you're going to cut expenses cut it from netflix cut it from cable tv don't cut your gym membership mm. well not because i i've done a lot of longevity coaching i've always found that kind of thing fascinating and it is really important as you age to try to maintain what you can do and your own independence i've worked with and met a lot of older people that really regret letting themselves go to the point or not training to the point where it affects what they can do and how they live their lives you know so if you do still want to be able to get on and off the toilet by yourself at 80 years old <laughs> 90 years old 100 years old then that is specialist kind of training you know longevity training is the type of training that that is just what it's for is to maintain independence in everyday life it's not necessarily about 
helping you live longer, which obviously it can, but it's independence. Younger people don't think about that. They don't think about losing their independence when they get older. And you've talked about kind of like, or alluded to the point of not wanting to be a burden on your children. (laughs) (laughs) But it might be a little bit more also about actually trying to stay around to see your grandkids and your great grandkids and all that sort of thing which is a young person you don't think about that yeah and i think having what they call freedom of movement especially as you get older is Mm. very important being able to do the things that you want to do um i've got an older client um really really great guy he trains with me an hour a week every week and um we we also obviously have him lifting heavy weights i'm I'm a strength coach that's that's kind of what i do but the most important thing for him is to have that freedom of movement as he goes into his old age because he has horses that he needs Mm. to take care of he's got children that rely on him still um he's, he's busy like moving furniture all the time and doing this and doing that so for him making sure that he's functional as he goes into his 70s is the most important thing for him. Mm. Not necessarily about what digits he can put up, but we will be increasing them over time, obviously, following the principles of progressive overload. But for him, yeah, it's all about the fact that he's got people relying on him and he needs to be his fittest, best self. Now you're a dad, right? Because you're a father now, scary. Um, (laughs) Has that changed your perspective on life or lifted or health or anything like that at all? Absolutely. Has it? Absolutely. How so, so, though? So I'm currently competing in strength sports where being heavier is definitely more beneficial, being at the top Mm. of your weight class and all of that. Um, But as I go into my 40s and, and beyond, I will definitely look about look to cut weight you know drop body weight um try and be leaner try and be fitter again so i can not only like play with my kid and be Mm. active with them but so i can be around for as long as possible you know being on on a heavier side of things whether it's muscle or fat it's not good for your heart as you get older Mm. um so when i'm done competing i will definitely look to probably do a pretty drastic change in the way that i train Right. And, and in in my nutrition as well. So is that just changing to go into things that are a little bit more athletic or is that just you feel you want to carry on doing things like powerlifting and that but maybe just drop a weight class or two? Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to be powerlifting hopefully until a ripe old age. Right. Um, strongman too. But yeah, I definitely would look to cut weight, drop down a weight class and generally try and be healthier at a lighter body weight. Um. I think that's that's going to be the most important thing for me as I get older. Mm. Not necessarily caring about what sort of digits I'm lifting, but rather just enjoying the sport for what it is and trying to be as healthy as possible and as strong as possible by a lighter body weight. Mm. So meeting, because when you do this sort of job, obviously you meet lots of different people from lots of different walks of life and stuff like that. Yeah, And I think that one of the most underestimated things is the ability to learn from other people's mistakes, which people just do not do mm-hmm. enough. I'm wondering if there's any clients or anything like that that you've had that you've that have made you kind of like rethink your life or make you think, well, I don't want to turn out like that or I'm, you know, going to change up what I'm doing, that kind of thing. So has just training other clients and listening to their stories and their lives and stuff like that, has that ever impacted you in a great way? 
it's kind of made me realize how happy I am with the choices that I have made right. with fitness and training since I was 14 because I do have clients and obviously these are all lovely, lovely people. But for a long time, they, they, they didn't train properly or they didn't know how to train. They didn't get a coach. They didn't do any self-study. And it's got to the point where they, they're quite a bit older now, but their training age doesn't match their strength levels yeah. or their physique. And I think what a shame, what a shame to grow old and not not have hit you know certain digits in the gym or to accomplish certain strength feats or to even have the physique that you've been training your whole life for just yeah. because you've kind of gone into it without any any knowledge. Yeah. So it makes me quite happy having pursued a coach myself and, and done the study um, just to kind of make sure that I'm on track for hitting my own goals and going forward, I can help other people hit their goals on what they need to be doing in the gym to get the most out of it. Um, like I said, these clients I've got are fantastic though. They, they've definitely learned a lot from me and they're applying things, um, the correct sort of like training modalities now, mm. but for a long time they didn't. So if you're a young guy, listen to this, get a coach, learn how to lift properly and, and always be learning, self-study, learn mm. this stuff because it is important. You want to be doing it right as you go, go through your life. So for me, I try to learn from other people's mistakes and that, but actually I've probably learned more from a health perspective, more from family. Mm. So from my family, there's a lot of them both on my mum's and my dad's side, but particularly on my mum's side, a lot of them died quite young. Mm. It's always some form of addiction. So it's normally drugs or drinking or smoking or something like that. And it, I've seen it like firsthand mess people up. Mm -hmm. So I've always been tried to be a little bit more healthy or on the healthier side. Um, and when I cared for my auntie who had Parkinson's, right, that was like a big, big eye opener. Because up until that point, I kind of felt a little bit like, well, it's okay, I'll be okay. All of the other people in the family, they've kind of brought it upon themselves. Mm. But watching someone go through that where she was one of the most active members of the family that looked after herself and stuff like that. But obviously it's one of those, you know, kind of conditions where you you can't really do anything about it. Yeah, a condition that doesn't discriminate. She didn't bring it on yeah. herself, yeah. What was interesting is that even though she had the Parkinson's and would fall over a lot and had all sorts of issues, because she was actually quite healthy... The, tr the the sort of lifestyle she led actually did make a big in impact on that, which, again, that's something that I don't really see talked about an awful lot. Um, and it's something that was really interesting because it's not like if you strength train and stuff like that that you're necessarily going to stop the shakes or be able to move or anything like that. However, when she would fall over, she had strong bones. Mm. When her friends and other people in her kind of like Parkinson's group support network and that, when they fall over, they'd be in hospital. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, they wouldn't be as, they wouldn't be able to get up again, you know? They wouldn't be able to do the things that they want to do because of an injury. And it's stuff like that when I looked more into longevity coaching and stuff that actually one of the big five things that kills older people tends to be falls mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And basically the best way to stop that is 
people would think about Pilates and people think about yoga and stuff like that. It's not, it's actually strength training. Yeah, strengthening the bones. So a lot of people have this idea that strength training just, you know, strengthens your muscles, Yeah. which obviously it does, but there's so many other benefits. Like it strengthens your bones, your ligaments, your tendons. It just makes you all around more durable. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, which is a shame because for older people, strength training becomes even more important for the reasons you mentioned. Like having strong bones can offset osteoporosis, for example, mm-hmm. where people have brittle bones and they, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they take a fall and it, and it wrecks them. Yeah. 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 A lot of the, for the longevity coach and stuff like that, a lot of people forget as well that you need to do full body stuff for that. You need to do compound exercises because when I've seen other personal trainers, they've put older people, and when I'm calling older people, let's just say people over the age of 60, Mm. you know. So sorry if you're over 60. I'm not necessarily saying that you're old, but other people are. (laughs) (laughs) The 20-year-olds think that you're all ancient if you're over (laughs) the age of, like, 30, you know. Yeah. Um, But that's another story anyway. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that actually you need to mimic what you're doing in everyday life, but you need to do it weighted. So you need to be able to do the things that you want to be able to do in everyday life, but you need to be able to do it under more strain. So if you want to get up and up and down off the toilet on your own, it's no good necessarily just doing body squats because you are going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. You want to be able to still squat. You know, someone that can do a Turkish get up at the age of 70 or 80 is not going to have any problem whatsoever getting on and off the toilet. And it's things like that people don't think about. A lot of the big accidents that tend to happen is actually also going when they fall down the stairs or they can't grab onto something. So when you think about concentric and eccentric parts of exercises in that, when you're thinking about the squat, a lot of people think, well, okay, well, just dropping down, you drop down to go back up again. Actually, when it comes to things like longevity training, the most important part is when you descend. Mm -hmm. Because if you can control that, then that is what's going to stop you from falling down the stairs because you fall down. You stop yourself. All the accidents tend to happen when you are trying to stop yourself from going the wrong way. So it's, it's interesting. I think that's a really good point as well because it goes back to how I train some of my older clients. Like They're still doing heavy deadlifts. Yeah. They're still squatting, overhead pressing, rowing, benching, mm-hmm. all those big movements. And going back to uh, that guy who I still train week to week who looks after horses, I have him doing lots of weighted carries. So he'll yeah. pick up a deadlift and he'll hold it for as long as possible. Or he'll walk with weights. Um, lots of functional sort of training to help him out with his everyday activities. And I think that's really important. And going back to that coach I mentioned as well, Jonathan Goodwin, um, Goodwin or Goodman, I think it's Goodman. Mm. He has older clients as well. And one of his older clients struggles with a handbag getting out of the boot Uh, every day. So he does things like he'll get like a, a power bag or some sort of piece of heavy kit and he'll have a take it off of like um, like a box to mimic the car boot and sling it over her back. Yeah. And that's really, really good for older people and just make sure they stay functional and have that freedom of movement as they get older. So there's one thing that's really changed the game for me with regards to how I think about training older people. And it's something that I heard from a doctor called 
Peter Atia, I think his name is, and it's called the Centenarian Decathlon. Right. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No, but it sounds okay. interesting. So the Centenarian Decathlon is basically, it's a centenarian basically means 100. So a centenarian is someone that's 100 years old. And a decathlon is obviously like a sporting event that is in 10 different sections. So a Centenarian Decathlon isn't necessarily a sporting event where a bunch of old people turn up you know, and compete against each other is actually something that you start planning from your 50s. So ideally in your 50s and definitely when you reach like 60, you're supposed to create your own centenarian decathlon. So it's 10 things that you want to be able to do specifically on your 100th birthday or when you're 100 years old. And what you do is you specifically train for it now, rather than it be something like I want to be able to do, you know, a uh, uh, 300 kilo deadlift or something <laughs> like that, it's actually really simple things, but it's stuff that actually is quite profound when you really think. Right, that's it for the regular edition. There is an extended edition, which is only available on the Lifting Club Patreon. So you need to get yourselves over there. There's all sorts of content and stuff that you can unlock, but you're gonna have to pay for it, you know? You have to pay for stuff in life one way or another. Don't worry, personal trainers are gym whores. We will accept payment for our knowledge and such. That's how it goes. So get yourselves over, use the link in the description and we will see over there. When Mark, I believe, is gonna talk some secrets about pin squats or something like that. But there we go. See you there.